Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the summer to expand your horizons. It's time to explore. But before you set foot out the door, set foot in the ultimate lightweight, super packable travel shoes from Allbirds. Find your perfect pair at Allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on the Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a big win for the Syracuse football team and a push toward a bowl game. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman and our guest today's former Syracuse defensive lineman, Tyler Morona. Tyler, how are you today? I'm doing well. You know, it's always good to have a win, but uh, I'm glad to be talking with you again. It feels like I'm finally back into the orange routine. I'm talking to you on this podcast, and I was, you know, making the rounds, so it's a good time of year. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, and Tyler, we'll get you started on this one. We last had you on the podcast about a year and a few months ago, so catch us up on what you've been up to since then. So the past couple of years, been a lot of change just because, um, you know, COVID threw a, a mix into pretty much everything that I've done professionally. So um, for 2019, 2020, I was coaching football, um, left the insurance business and was just trying to see if, uh, you know, I wanted to make a career out of football and I gave it two years and I did one year at the college level at Houston Baptist University and then one year down here in Texas at uh, Fort Bend Christian. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, making it a career, but at the end of the day, um, just settled down here in Houston. I got married uh, October 2020, and after that, I realized that um, although I love football, I think I'm a better fan than I am a coach. And um, now I'm a uh, insurance broker with Gallagher here in Houston, and uh, my wife and I are just enjoying life. I was kind of newly newlywed um, a, a year later, but uh, things are going well. Well, congratulations on the marriage and also the transition back into being a fan. And let's talk a little football. I was so glad to see you tweeting on the game on Saturday. It was a completely wild win over Virginia Tech. What did you think of the game? Yeah, so when I'm back tweeting about the Orange, it means that I have fully invested. Uh, not that I haven't uh, been with the team all year. I mean, I've watched every game. It's just been, you know, to be honest with you, it's been so frustrating um, having, like, just these, and I, the, the thing that I keep putting in my head with, like, the Florida State or the Wake Forest, or, I mean, all the games that we lost by three points is that it seems like we've always lost on these, like, once-a-year once a uh, goof-ups or, you know, mess-ups. And there were still some in the Virginia Tech game, and despite all odds, we overcome it. And, um, you know, this might parlay into another question, but um, I think that this win 
um, is something that the program needed desperately. We've been trying to get it for a couple weeks now with Clemson, and that was the one I was really hoping that we would get, even though Wake Forest is undefeated and ranked and that whole nine yards. I think that when we beat Clemson, it's a good it's, it's a good healer for our program just because of the animosity that the players have with each other, and they like to make it a rivalry. But, um, you know, I think we needed to have one of these wins where we, we mess up a ton and we still come out on top, and it kind of proves to the program that we are talented, we have good players, we're not a Big East team anymore. We're an ACC squad. And that's kind of how I feel. You know, when we beat these ACC teams on the road, it gives us a sense of belonging that we actually deserve to be there because I was a part of the transition from the Big East to the ACC. And, um, you know, it's a big step up. And I don't think a lot of people gave it a lot as much credit as they should have because the Big East was largely, um, you know, it had a BCS tie-in, but it was a group of five conference. And that's what they are now. And be playing in the Power Five, you know, it really – it's, it's, this is a good win. This is a really good win, and it proves that, um, you know, Schrader can play, Alford can play, the line's holding up despite missing guys. So I was I was really excited for it. So take me inside the locker room after a game like this because you lose three straight games by three points each, and you finally get over the hump with four games left. So how big of a boost is it to the mentality of this team? Enormous. I mean, um, the Golden State Warriors, I'll always tie this into an NBA comparison if you know me, which is um, – Golden State Warriors said that the thing that cures every sort of condition that might be plaguing a team is winning. And it's because you realize that you put away or you put aside differences, you put aside your opinions for the winning culture. And I think that's what's most important about, um, you know, wins like this is that Virginia Tech is a, it's a known program. It's a known quantity. And Coach Babers was talking about how impressive their crowd was and um, and I saw an article retweeted by Chris Carlson from the other side, and now the Virginia Tech fans are saying that it's time to fire their coach. So, you know, these swings that can happen in just one game, they, they mean the world because after – if we lose that game, there's no shortage of, you know, critics, you know, going after the players, going after the coaches, you name it. So the fact that they get to breathe and then they still the rest of the – there's a whole quarter left of the season, and um, this will – if it's not exactly wins and losses like Coach said in his post game, this is a big defining moment for this program, and um, it's, it's exciting to see. Tyler, I know you're a defensive guy, but there's some real issues going on with the special teams. I know you were chatting about that on Saturday on Twitter. What's going on there, and how can they improve? I'm not a special teams coordinator. I never have. I never will be. But I do know that special teams is a lot about practice. It's a lot about uh, discipline. It's a lot about, um, you know, just being able to execute assignments. Um, it's pretty fundamental stuff. Uh, there should not be this many variables and possible things going wrong. Um, I was talking to some buddies because they were asking about, you know, they they noticed that Andre had won the Lou Groza Award his freshman year. And, um, you know, they're talking about, you know, hey, you know, what's what's been the struggle? And I, I don't know. You know, I can't I can't tell. Um, I've never really seen a kicker go through struggles like this, especially after being nearly automatic. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, I don't really know how to fix it. Um, but I do know that it needs to happen. So <laughs> that's my uh, blazing hot take on that. <laughs> Fair enough. And, and you mentioned it earlier, there's some smoke around Dino Bapers. He went 1-10 last year. There's a lot of in-game decisions that just make you throw your hands in the air on his part. Where do you stand on Dino? You know, it's funny because he, I think he is a good coach. I think he does, like whatever he does that got him this job, which is, you know, being a 
He was a great play caller for Baylor back in the day, and uh, he's an excellent um, position coach when he has the, um, you know, that title. And um, I think he's a unique coach that he's an awesome coordinator, awesome position coach, and is just at, at an older age is kind of working out all of the bumps and bruises of what, you know, a tenured head coach would be, you know, and Dabo Sweeney, he's had the, you know, the job for, you know, ever now with 14 years or so. And um, Clemson has gone through tough times as well, you know, and I think that um, as coach Babers has learned, he's had to turn over coordinators quite a bit. Um, But the one thing that I have seen out of him is that, and something that I'm kind of scared of if he were to go is that at this point he really knows how to recruit defenders. Um, it's very clear because we have Wax, we have Michael Jones, we had three NFL um, corners last year, and we have probably three more right now. Um, and so to me, it's like obviously he knows how to do stuff. It's just a matter of like when we were down and losing all the guys like myself to all the medical disqualifications, having guys transfer, maybe missing on a few guys in recruiting. We've had the perfect storm, and it's hard to remember that last year we were a one in ten team. We were projected to go three, maybe one win um, this year, and we we're at four. You know, so we're overcoming all odds, and quite honestly, we should be a lot better. But it's hard to put it in perspective when you want to see seven and one, six and two, and we're four and four. So I think that he does what he does very well. Um, he should be a little bit better at the game management at this point, and it's. It's easy to go at you know the you know get the ball to the one yard line and then miss the field goal. I get it, but at the same time, it's like I could criticize him for a lot of things, but there's also a lot of things that he does well. And then when you go to the very end of the day, which is okay, if we do buy out coach, who's coming? And I think that's the question that a lot of Syracuse fans forget to ask after they want to fire a coach is, okay, if you want to fire a coach, who's the name that's just going to take this job for a discount and is going to get paid less than all the other ACC coaches? You know, it's something that you got to keep in mind. And until we actually win, despite our current conditions, it's going to be the same for a while. So, um, you know, that's kind of – it's not a direct answer. I don't love him. I don't hate him. I think he's just – he's good for Syracuse from where we're at right now. I don't think he's the best coach. I don't think he's the worst. So, um, you know, I think he's the right guy or, you know, maybe not the right guy, but, um, you know, he's he's what we got. And I'm I'm happy that he's trying to do the best for the program that I love. I think that's a very fair take on it, Tyler. And we'll get you out of here on this one. There are four games left in the season. How do you see those four games playing out? I think we're going to be ultra competitive. Um, I think even more competitive than what we've seen so far. I saw a point on Twitter and a good take that said that now that Tommy's gone, Garrett might actually play better because he doesn't feel someone breathing down his neck. And it kind of kind of showed yesterday. Um, I think that the players are going to rally behind him, kind of an Eric Dungy style. And um, if it doesn't, like I said, if it doesn't parlay, I think six and six is very much on the table. I'd love to go eight and four and specifically beat Pitt. Um, you know, that would be a huge win for the season. And then you, everybody before the season would have taken eight and four after going one and ten. I'm just going to throw it out there. So um, I think this team's going to be ultra competitive. The defense keeps getting better, um, and we keep playing better and better offenses, and they keep playing better and better. So, um, you know, I'm just I'm pumped for where this program's going. Um, you know, I hope that in between now and then we don't have a million injuries like we typically do. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a good one to ride out on. My wife and I were, were reserving, you know, plans around the holidays to go see them wherever they go. 
So, um, you know, just know that I'm counting on them being in the postseason. So that's that's kind of where I stand. Tyler, thanks again for coming on the program. Again, former Syracuse defensive lineman, Tyler Morona. Tyler, always appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of the college football season. We'll speak with you soon. Sounds good. You're the best. Always love speaking with Tyler, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse finally getting an ACC road win. They beat Virginia Tech 41-36 to to get to 4-4, four and four, their first conference road win since 2019. It wasn't pretty, but boy, was it exciting. Your thoughts on the game? First of all, doesn't the weekend go by a lot better with a WS? Wow, there's <laughs> an extra pep in my step with a Syracuse win, especially this season with how the last three previous ACC games turned out, losing by three points, coming down right to the end in the fourth quarter. This is exactly what this program needed, and it's exactly what Dino Babers needed from a leadership point of view. And uh, the rest of this season, being able to show the players that, look, all this hard work is paying off, and you are rewarded with not just a win in the ACC, but a win on the road, which has certainly been elusive for Syracuse since they joined the conference. And what a gutsy performance by Garrett Schrader. This was the game that you're going to look back on and, you know, maybe signifies his, you know, coming of uh, age and leading the Syracuse offense as a quarterback with a couple more years of eligibility and also overcoming self-inflicted wounds, which we've talked about all season West, which have, really knocked the steam out of the team at different points in in the ACC losses and in the Rutgers defeat. And to be able to overcome some of the the problems with penalties, again, uh, on the offensive line, not having the right personnel in late in the second quarter, necessitating two timeouts to be called, another missed field goal from Andre Schmidt, his sixth of the season, overcoming all of that on the road, falling behind with five lead, four lead changes, and then Syracuse finally taking the fifth lead change late. And then the defense coming up when it needed to uh, in stopping Virginia Tech in a punting situation, uh, giving the offense one last chance. And then the wide receivers starting to come of age as this season progresses, especially a player like Damian Alford, who I was writing about in the preseason. Could this be a breakout year? for a very tall wide receiver in the Syracuse rotation, and he came through with a game-winning touchdown catch. So I know that was a a fantastic plane ride home from Virginia back to Central New York for the team, and now it's right back to work to get ready uh, for Boston College and the remaining five games with, like you say, a bowl game situation is what's at the end of the rainbow here for Syracuse going into the last week of October and November. So you mentioned it. We're in the home stretch of the season. Four games left to go. A fifth game and a bowl game at stake. Where do you see the last two wins coming from? It's going to be tough, Wes, but it's certainly doable. And looking at the stock watch for the remaining opponents, I, I take a look at it like this. Boston College, stock down. BC has lost three straight games, including at Louisville this past weekend. Coming into the Dome for the third straight season, Syracuse needs to pick up its first home win against an ACC opponent, and I think they will against BC. Then it's the much-needed week off, the first weekend of November, time for the team to regroup, get mentally recharged, and come out for the home stretch, which will have two of the three games on the road. At Louisville, then, I say Louisville stock up. 
boy, Malik Cunningham is just a fantastic quarterback. Syracuse has seen enough of him in the last two years with losses at Cardinals Stadium, and uh, he was really dynamic in the win against BC. That's a winnable game, but it's going to be tough with the intangible, in my opinion, uh, Malik Cunningham, the Cardinal quarterback. The following week at North Carolina State, I'd say NC State stock kind of plateauing right now, upset by Miami this past weekend, 31-30, a game that the Wolfpack probably should have won. Miami was playing for Coach Manny Diaz, and they really responded, but there was a a play in the third quarter of that game, kind of unusual, that NC State was set up on the Miami goal line, but a player participated without his helmet. It resulted in a a penalty, a re-kick, and NC State couldn't capitalize and lost to a very fired-up Miami team. And then in the finale, Pittsburgh certainly stock up. The Panthers and Wake Forest, certainly the best two teams in the ACC this season. Kenny Pickett's making a lot of national media's Heisman Trophy list as we head into November. He's just been dynamic as they knocked off Clemson uh, at Heinz Field this past weekend. So it's going to be tough. Uh, but I kind of forecast in the preseason, and I kind of still think it may go this way. Uh, beat BC to go 5-4. and four. Lose at Louisville to go 5-5. Five and five. Lose at NC State to drop to 5-6. and six. And then an emotional regular season finale upset Pittsburgh in the Dome to finish 6-6. Six and six. I wrote about it in August. Carry Dino Babers off the field, qualify for a bowl game. That's the scenario, and I'm sticking with it, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> and, Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Very interesting season-opening press conference at Media Day for Jim Beheim last week. Two things stood out to me. One, talking about his future. No thought about retiring. Zero, none, nada. So that was very interesting. Could he be there for 50 seasons? That's entirely possible. And then raving about the recruiting class as the best he's had in his career. And that really says a lot, Wes, when you consider that he's entering his 46th season. And inquiring minds want to know that last week, spotted in Syracuse, eating breakfast at the near west side breakfast nook Little Gem Diner, was athletic director John Wildack and assistant coach Jerry McNamara. Would have been great to be privy to that sort of conversation, probably going along the lines of how's the team shaping up for this year? And as we look into the future, you may have to be patient a few more years because Jim Beheim is sticking around. Brad, my closing thoughts are on the ageless wonder, former Syracuse star Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo scored 28 points for the Lakers in a win over the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday to move up to ninth in NBA history in scoring passing Moses Malone. He's now scored 27,423 points in his NBA Hall of Fame career. But there's still one thing that's missing on his NBA resume, and that's an NBA championship. The Lakers are off to a bit of a slow start at 1-2 and two on the season, but they're still one of the favorites to win it all. Congratulations to Carmelo on an amazing accomplishment. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that my plumbing is all screwed up because as it turns out, I do not own a garbage disposal. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? 
Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit